Thank you for tuning in to the Verb Church podcast. For more information about Verb Church, you can go to myverb.church. Now, here's Pastor Shane Tarpley with today's message. Today we're going to kick off a brand new series called The Blessed Life. The Blessed Life. And, and I'm not going to pull any punches. I'm not going to try to hide behind some smoke screen or, or anything like that. I want, to, I want to be upfront and transparent with you. Everything that we preach for the next several weeks and teach from this series comes straight out of this book. Uh, it's about $10 on Amazon. You can get you one. It's by a pastor named Robert, Robert Morris, and um, it's literally called The Blessed Life. And so um, I'm not ripping his sermons or anything, even though that's okay. It's cool, whatever. Um, but I've been reading this book for a while, and it has just drastically changed my life. And maybe you're, you know, saying, well, Shane, how come you're not promoting the Bible? Um, and I do. This book is probably one of the most biblically based books I have ever read. There's scripture, every other paragraph that validates everything that he teaches in this book. And so it, it, this book has literally changed my life, changed my life. And so I want to talk to you on the subject today about it's all about the heart. It's all about the heart. And I want to read a testimony from some friends of mine. Um, if you're not familiar, several a few weeks ago, we launched the Building a Legacy Initiative which if you have seen our Facebook post or you stopped in the lobby on the way in and kind of gazed at some of those posters, we got a new facility that we're excited about breaking ground on, but we're also raising money to be able to break ground on that. And so I don't want to uh, jump too much into that detail, but we ask our team, we ask some people, and then um, the third week we ask the church, we ask all of you guys to commit to going on this faith journey with us. And so I had some friends reach out to me and send me this message about how when they were filling out their, their commitment card on what God would have them to give over and above their tithe uh, for the next 12 months, they said they wrote this down, a uh, number, and it didn't really stretch them. And so I just want to read what they sent me, this straight from their heart. Good morning. I wanted to share with you guys what happened to us this week. So when we started the Building a Legacy Initiative, we prayed and felt like an amount uh, was what we needed to give. However, that amount did not stretch us, so we changed our minds last minute and doubled at even more what our original plan was. We knew that it would stretch us, and we knew that we would have to sacrifice more to make our commitment work. So, out of the blue on Friday, I received a message from my former boss who informed me that I had a check waiting at my last employment. It was, um, the last check was supposed to be in June. She said that they had forgotten some things that needed to be paid, so I thought, okay, it's probably only going to be about $20 or $30. I honestly didn't think anything else about it. Yesterday, my lead teacher came to a yard sale and asked if I had gotten hers, hers yet, and she said yes. And, so it, and she said it was a large amount. I couldn't believe it. She said, I think ours is split. The story is the amount that I'm expected to receive is our initiative that we gave at the church plus $100. Come on. Better stop there. This, uh, that was the first time. Then she had to apply for unemployment back when all the corona stuff was going on because um, our jobs had suggested it. 
I'd forgotten about even applying. And I received a letter on Thursday stating that they would owe me back pay for five weeks. And guess how much it's going to be? The same amount that we chose to give on our initiative. That's twice. So not only did God give us back what we stretched ourselves to give, he gave us double. I can't believe how good he is sometimes. And I just wanted to share to maybe encourage somebody. Come on. That is the power. Verse, today is the day that I ask you to bring in your commitment cards and you can turn those in during the offering time. You can take those to the back. If you didn't get an initiative card, that's fine. We've got some for you to pick up. Um, and next week, next week, next week, mark this in your calendar, next week is going to be our first fruits offering. What is that? Basically, this is the offering that you bring next week that's going to kick off this Building a Legacy initiative. And so far, guys, so far, we have committed, we're trying to raise 90000 so far we have committed $33,500. So that's amazing. And I'm expecting God to just blow that out of water. All right, so today it's all about the heart. It's all about the heart. Now, obviously, I'm not speaking about the physical health of your heart, but that's important too. But everything in this life, church, is a matter of the heart. When it comes to God's blessings, obeying Him, and so on, it comes down to the heart. You see, growing up, I've heard messages on giving and tithing, and, and even in my own practices, I've always done things in a matter of giving to get, right? Because I've heard this, like if you give this, then God will do this. If you do this, then God will do this. And it's always a matter and a motive of giving to get. But that has to change at some point because if we don't stop giving to get, then our motive will always be internally selfish. Amen? All right. So throughout this series, I want you to adopt a new way of thinking because your attitude has to change from I have to to I get to. And see, when your attitude about giving, serving, loving, forgiving, and really everything in life changes from that moment to I have to, to I get to, it changes everything else in your life. All right? How many, just show of hands, how many of you, when you hear the word give, especially in church, your mind automatically thinks money? Just, just raise your hand, be honest. All right? I think some of us, if we, if we had to be really honest with ourselves, I think 99% of us would probably say, that's where my mind goes to. When I hear the word give, I think, oh man, what does he want now? Or, you know, I see a commercial come across the screen and it's about, you know, giving to, to this um, to this thing and, and giving to that thing. And, and the worst thing that I really can't stand seeing is, is those sad little uh, beaten up animals in the shelters. Man, it just pulls on my heartstrings. I got to change the channel. Because if not, I'm going to empty my bank account. And then, and then I'm not going to be married anymore. <laughs> but giving doesn't always mean money. I want, I want, that, I want that to just settle for a minute. Giving doesn't always mean money. I want to read some scripture for you. Matthew chapter 7, 1 through 2. Matthew chapter 7, 1 through 2 says, 
Do not judge others, and you will not be judged. Now, that sounds good, right? Like, how many of us have found ourselves using that in life? Well, hey, you don't know me. The Bible says don't judge me. Okay? Do not judge others, and you will not be judged. Number Verse 2. For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. Now, I want to ask you a simple question. What is the word money anywhere in those scriptures? No. Not a single time, right? It's not anywhere in those two verses. And the context is even talking about judging and not judging. Or you'll be judged, right? Now flip over to another familiar passage, Luke chapter 6, verse 37. It's the parallel verse to this. It says, do not judge others, and you will not be judged. Pretty plain and simple. Now look to the last sentence of chapter 6, verse 38. All right, the last sentence of 638 says, the amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Now that's kind of where a lot of churches manipulate Scripture, right? Okay, hey, if you want to have a good financial blessing, you've got to give a good financial blessing, right? You've got to sow and reap, and I understand all of that. But I want you to understand today that it's about your heart first. It's a matter of your heart, all right? So these are parallel scriptures to Matthew uh, chapter 7, and I want to show you a verse in the middle of Luke 6, 37 through 38 that I hope you know, maybe the context is kind of misunderstood, and, and maybe we've kind of read it before. It's like, ah, I don't really, you know, understand that, or maybe we've thought about it in a different way, but I want to bring out some, some different um, context today. So Luke 6, 37 through 38, the whole shebang says, Do not judge others, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others, or it will all come back against you. Forgive others. And you will be forgiven. Give, and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full. Here we go. Press down, shaken together to make room for more. Running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. All right? So let me make this statement here that's going to shock you again. The word money is nowhere in those two scriptures, right? It wasn't in Matthew 7, and it's not in Matthew 6, 37, through, I mean, Luke 6, 37 through 38, right? So why is it when the majority of the time we read scripture about giving, we think about money? Why is that? The truth is a lot of us want God to bless us financially and have financial success and comfort. But usually that's where our giving is limited. See, we're so willing to give things like time and, and talent. But when it comes to our treasure, this is the very place that we withhold from God. And sometimes we even justify, well, I do this and I do this so I don't have to give this. But let me make this bold statement and say that it could be an indication. Your monetary or financial giving could be an indication of how you give in areas of forgiveness, love, grace, mercy, time, advice, 
See, your giving, your generosity is even connected to the health of your marriage, parenting, and the way that you work on your job. It's all tied to your heart, church. I cannot stress that enough. Everything you do in this life, the way that you give is all tied to your heart. And so we read these scriptures about the measure that we give, it'll be given back to us. So my question for you is, how much are you giving? I see some of you are having to fight that urge right now not to think about money. How much forgiveness are you giving? How much mercy are you giving? All right, let's, how much grace are you giving? Say things like, man, I just wish people would understand me. I just wish somebody would accept me the way that I am. I just wish people would stop judging me. They know I've been having a hard time in this life. Hey, you got to give grace if you want to receive it. I tell our leaders all the time, leaders go first. Husband's dad. I heard this story one time. This pastor was giving a counseling session to this to these parents, and they couldn't find anybody to watch their kids. And so they asked the pastor, "Hey, can we bring our kids?" Yeah, no problem. And they were coming for some for some marriage advice, and they were sitting there and had the door cracked open so that they could hear the kids playing in the background and and outside the office, and, and they are getting the counseling session started, and all of a sudden the mom just, hey, quiet it down back there! <laughs> and a few minutes later, they start talking about how their kids are so disrespectful and their kids just yell at them. <laughs> Said, hey, you sowed that seed, you're reaping it. <laughs> so my question is, church, that's comical to think about until it's you. Right. It's funny to hear other people's mishaps and situations until you're the one that needs forgiveness. Until you're the one that needs grace and mercy and blessings. Because, see, we all want things to come into our lives to bless us and to get us further along of where we are. But how many of us are willing to go first to give? See, it's all tied to your heart. It's not giving is not just a compartmentalized area of your bank account. Giving isn't just about money. You want me to show you another scripture? John 3, 16 that we learned when we're kids. For God so loved the world that he what? Gave. Oh, man. God went first. God went first. For God so loved the world that he gave. Now, I hear some people saying that, you know, the church always wants my money, and, and, and sometimes people have asked me, you know, well, well, how much do you talk about giving in your church? And I say all the time. All the time. You, you mean people don't, don't get tired of hearing about giving? Well, I think what you meant to ask me was how much do I preach about money and tithing and things like that. See, giving is in all areas of our life. Giving is everywhere we go. You're standing in line trying to check out and you thought you were trying to be quick or you go to that express lane, right? Or, or here's, here's the worst thing. This is what the Lord really works on me. I'm in a hurry. I go in Walmart or, or Kroger or somewhere like that and I'm like, all right, I just got about three items. I'm going to skip through the self-checkout and I walk up there. All the lanes are filled and people got a hundred items from the self-checkout. I'm like, oh, 
And the Lord's really working on patience. Even though I had been praying for patience. I don't know what that's about. <laughs> but see, the thing is, instead of our hearts automatically being connected to God, the Bible says that God meets us right where we are. And we love to hear about that. But most of the time, our hearts are connected to something like this. What does it cost? What's it going to cost me? You see, God knows that you think that way. And he's not condemning you. He's not shaming you. But the Bible says he meets you right where you are. See, Matthew 6, 21 says it like this. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. A lot of us think it's the other way around. Well, Shane, I'm, I'm strong enough. Where my heart is, that's where I'm going to invest in. No, it's not. And God already knew that. That's why he wrote the scripture before any of us got here. He said, hey, where you put your money is where your heart follows. Whatever you're choosing to invest in is where your attention goes. Yes, come on, thank you. So when your money is deposited in the bank, you check those statements religiously, right? I got to make sure all my pennies are counted up. Got to make sure all my dollars and cents are in the right places. Amanda and I recently, in the, in the past uh, several months, we, we started investing some stuff into the stock market. Man, I downloaded that app right away. I put, those, I put those little tickers at the top, and I wanted to check what my stock was every single day. And sometimes it'll only go down a few cents. And I'll be like, man, what's going on? But see, where my money is, where my treasure is, there's my heart. So the question is, what are you investing in? What are you investing in? The concept I'm trying to make to you is to put your treasure in God's kingdom. See, when you put your treasure in God's kingdom, you put your heart in God's kingdom. And I want somebody to get this this morning. I promise you this. I promise you, you cannot go all in with God's kingdom and not have treasure in it. Now let me say this, because I, I know that there may be some in here who are, are getting a little bit antsy, a little bit offended, because maybe you don't have an income right now. I get that. But if you don't have an income, the way you invest is your time and your talent. If you don't have a treasure... And you better put your time and your talent somewhere in God's kingdom. Because he's the only one that can multiply. Now listen, I know this is a tough issue for us to deal with. And, and, and maybe you kind of let yourself kind of drift away a little bit. But I want to encourage somebody today. I know this is more teaching style than, than my typical preaching. But I'm trying to encourage somebody today. That today, let today be the day, church. That you allow yourself to be completely submersed in God's kingdom. Ask God, God, what do you want to do through me? God, what can you do through me and my limitations? Because, see, God just takes who you are and does something amazing with it. I want you to understand this concept. These verses that we started off reading about are talking about the measure that you give. Because, you see, we all love this in the context of giving money, right? We want to give to get, but it's a heart issue. So what is it really saying? Here's the thing. When you give judgment, judgment will be given. When you give forgiveness, forgiveness will be given. But, look at your neighbor and say, but. Here's the tricky part. Your gift 
will return to you in full. All right, so just, just think of it for a minute. What kind of things have you been giving off to other people? What kind of things have you been giving off to other people? And it says, your gift is going to return to you in full. So if some of y'all don't want that gift you've been giving to other people, you better stop wrapping it up and sending it on its way. <laughs> then it says, press down, shaking together. So not only is whatever you're giving to others going to come back to you in full, oh no, it's going to go even more than that. It's going to be pressed down, shaking together. And see, that's, what, that's where a lot of us get real happy about this scripture. We're like, woo, pressed down, shaking together, the glory of God, hallelujah. But if you ain't giving good gifts, guess what's coming back to you? Mm. Pressed down, shaking together, making room for more. So if you're not a forgiving person, guess what? There's going to be a lot of unforgiveness coming your way. If you're not very merciful with people, if you don't give a whole lot of grace to people, if you're not very generous with people, if you tell people you're going to, oh, here we go. If you tell people you're going to pray for them and you really don't, oh, come on now. Come on now. Yeah, we got quiet in here. If you tell people you're going to pray for them and you really don't, guess what? When you need prayer, ain't nobody going to pray for you. Is this, is this too much? No. Let me, let me back off a little bit. I'm telling you, it's real. And church, until the church, I'm not saying her, I'm saying the church in general, until the church gets a hold of being generous in God's kingdom, we'll never be more than just four walls. That's right. Come on. We talk about being the church. You want to be the church? That's right. Then learn to be generous with everything in your life. Learn to open your doors for complete strangers. Learn to feed people who will never be able to feed you back. Learn to give grace when grace is not deserved. Learn to give forgiveness when those people hurt you. I'm telling you, it's real. And God honors generosity. Press down, shaking together. So these verses are talking about Judgment, condemnation, forgiveness. But because of the law and the principle of sowing and reaping, you can apply it to everywhere. See, here's the concept. We just heard a, a big old series last month about sowing and reaping and planting and soil types, right? How many of you guys, when you plant a seed, you get a seed back? No. You plant a seed, you get a tree. Right? So here's the principle. Whatever you give, you're going to get more back. So is it not better to give good things to begin with? Can I tell you that the, most of the reason that people don't come to church is because they know the people they work with go there. They don't want to be like them. That's right. That's right. Come on. So why is the church not filling up and running over? That's right. Because God is giving the church exactly what the church is giving. God has pressed down, shaken together, and made room for what? Bitterness? Gossip? Yep. Negativity? Lack of prayer life? And listen, I, I know this is strong. Believe me, it was strong to me. It was so convicting. But the last time I checked, ain't none of us perfect. That's right. So we all got room to grow. That's right. Listen. I want you to flip to Deuteronomy chapter 15. This is really going to start getting to the heart of the matter, and 
This is really going to show you how to have a heart of generosity because maybe up to this point, you've been understanding what we've been talking about, you know, give to give, I get that. Don't just have the motive to, to give to get, and, and, and that's all a heart issue, but, but maybe you're sitting there and maybe you're one of these, one of these folks that have, have never really grown up with a generous lifestyle. Maybe you thought, you know what, I can't afford to be generous because here again, we hear the word generosity and giving, we automatically think of money, right? And so maybe you're one of these guys that's sitting here and you're like, you know what, Shane, I, I just don't have it to give. How do I become generous if I don't have it to give? I'm glad you asked. Deuteronomy 15, 7 through 8 says it like this. But if there are any poor Israelites in your towns, when you arrive in the land, the Lord your God is giving you, come on, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted. Now, everybody, hold up your hands like this, like you're going to punch somebody, all right? And do this. Release it. Release it. Release it. You know what happens when you do this right here? Your blood pressure goes up because you restrict blood flow. You don't believe me? Open your hands and they're white. Wait for the blood to come back. And you know what else? This is the way a lot of us come to God. Yep. So tight-fisted, so wound up and bound up in our prison and in our bondages. And God's saying, hey, not only can I not get anything from you, but I can't get anything to you either because you come to me like you want to fight me all the time. And God is saying, if you would just release what that is that's holding you down and binding you up, then not only can I get it through you, but I can get it to you. Instead, last part of that verse says, be generous and lend them whatever they need. All right, so here's some practical principles that you're going to want to write down. Four things that we need to do if we're going to become generous givers. Now, disclaimer again, I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about everything. So here it is, four things that we're going to have to do if we're going to become generous givers. Number one, deal with the selfish heart. Deal with the selfish heart. Deuteronomy 15 and 9 says, Do not be mean-spirited and refuse someone alone. Because the year for canceling debt is close at hand. If you refuse to make the loan and the needy person cries out to the Lord, what does it say? You will be considered guilty of sin. Now maybe you're like, Shane, that's the Old Testament. Come on, we're living in the New Testament. Let me just put this to, to bed right here. Put this to rest. Like, when Jesus came... He did not abolish the Old Testament law. He fulfilled it. There's a difference. So, yes, we're living in New Testament days, but there is still law to be followed, and there is still grace that we operate the law under. You know what I'm saying? Like, what, what Jesus did was he took out all the, the blood sacrifices that we have to continually make. So it doesn't make the Old Testament null and void. He just fulfilled it. And so notice this, that, that selfishness, selfishness is wickedness of sin in God's eyes. Ain't it? It's starting to sting a little bit, isn't it? All right, watch this. Have you ever wondered why, why God created giving? Maybe, maybe you haven't, but I've kind of 
you know, wondered, like, God, why did you create giving? Because, you know, like, I've heard people say that ministry follows money, which is true, but it's not like God needs our money, right? I mean, last time I checked, the Bible says that the streets of heaven are made of gold. And so if, if the very pavement that we're walking on in heaven is made of gold, then why did God create giving? Or, or I've heard the scripture, you know, that God owns a cattle on a thousand hills, but maybe this year is, is kind of like, you know, a little bit slack. Maybe this year the cattle are, are not so much, and God's like, all right, church, I really need you to start giving because the cattle aren't producing like they used to, right? I mean, no. God is not a limited God. God did not create giving for his sake. God created giving for my sake and for your sake. Why? Because giving more than anything else works selfishness and greed out of you. Right? Like we are inherently selfish people. We are. We're inherently selfish people. And there's a lot of prosperity gospels out there about giving to get, and we already covered all that. But God does not honor selfishness. He doesn't honor greed. When you give to get, you might be meeting someone's need, but you're actually creating a spirit of selfishness back in you when that becomes your motive. When your motive is, man, I'm going to give this check because I know that God's going to bless me. Hey, let me tell you, waking up and breathing fresh breath of air is a blessing. Going to a job, no matter what it pays you, is a blessing and a provision from God. Having a family is a blessing and a provision from God. So if you think, all right, all right, Shane, I'm going to give this person forgiveness so I can be forgiven. God doesn't honor that selfishness. Your motive has to change. And so in order to have a heart of generosity, you're going to have to deal with the selfish heart. Number two, you're going to have to deal with the grieving heart. This one is probably my favorite Deal with a grieving heart. Deuteronomy 15 and 10 says, Give generously to the poor, not grudgingly or with a grieving heart. For the Lord your God will bless you in everything you do. Because you see, if you learn to give from the heart and with the right heart, that God will bless everything you do. But we need to understand that this is a heart issue, all right? But selfishness, here's the thing. Write this down. Selfishness attacks us before we give. And grief attacks us after we get. All right, let me, this is probably going to hit home with some people. Maybe, you know, when, when things, when your life started going in the right direction, all right? Let's say you've given your life to the Lord, you're attending church, maybe you're starting to serve a little bit, you're visiting a connect group here and there, and, and you're like, all right, I'm going to try this giving thing. I'm going to try this tithing thing, all right? And I'm not talking about tithing today. I'm just giving it as an example. I'm going to try this whole tithing thing and just see what happens. And you start, and you're like, all right, Lord, I'm trusting you. All right, I'm trusting you. So we'll write that check. We're going to text that to give. We're going to go online. Whatever. We're going to give it. And then the very next week, something breaks. Come on, I'm speaking straight from experience. The car breaks down, kids get sick, appliance tears up, maybe even get fired. 
I don't know. I'm not speaking that over somebody. I'm just saying. <laughs> but then we always go back to, well, God, I trusted you. I trusted you, and look at what's happening to me. Why is this happening to me? God, I trusted you, and now my husband's mad at me because I decided to give in church, and he wasn't a part of that decision. Or God, I decided to give a little bit more today, and then now I can't pay my mortgage. Uh, God, I decided to do this, and now I can't afford groceries this week. I can't afford. Listen, it always happens to everybody, and here's what happens. The enemy comes in after you give it. After you give that forgiveness to somebody who's hurt you, he always comes in and he goes, ah, I told you you shouldn't have done that. And he grieves your heart. See, you already had a problem before you gave, but you pushed through it. You persevered. And now, after you gave, all this stuff is happening, and the devil's grieving your heart. you got to deal with the grieving See, the Bible says that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So when we give back to the Lord what already belongs to him to begin with, we don't have to grieve over it. See, that's the problem that a lot of us, that's the reason a lot of us grieve after we give is because we, we thought it was ours to begin with. But see, the Bible says that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Everything that you can think of in your living condition and environment is the Lord's to begin with. So when he says, hey, I want you to give extra today. Hey, I want you to forgive that person. I don't care if they don't ever forgive you or apologize for it. Hey, I want you to give this person a little bit more grace and mercy than they deserve today. I know they've been raking on your nerves. I know they've been getting on your nerves. I know they've been annoying you and all of this stuff. And ladies, I'm not just talking about your husbands. <laughs> give a little bit of grace. Deal with a grieving heart. The third thing that we're going to have to do in order to have a heart of generosity is develop a generous heart. Right? Sounds easy enough, right? Just develop a generous heart. Deuteronomy 15 and 14 says, Give him a generous farewell gift from your flock, your thrashing floor, and your wine press. Share with him some of the bounty with which the Lord your God has blessed you. All right? See, when you're first born, you're born selfish, right? You don't have to teach kids the word mine or give me. What do you have to teach them to do? Share. Share. All right? Share. And even as adults, church, we have to be taught how to share. Because when we work and we gain and we earn, we think it's ours. We don't stop long enough to reflect that God is the one that made this happen. God is the one that blessed our life. And we think, I worked so hard. I'm not going to give what I worked hard for. But you never know what God could use and do through you. So we have to renew our minds. We read from Luke 6 at the beginning of this message, and then we jumped over to the Old Testament. So now let's go back to Luke chapter 6, verse 30, where it says, Give to anyone who asks. That's tough. And when things are taken away from you, 
Don't try to get them back. Another translation says this, give to anyone who asks, never expecting anything in return. See, this is exactly what God is explaining to us, his children. This concept of sharing. He's saying, hey, when are you going to grow up? You've been doing it this way for so long. How's it working for you? What's the definition of insanity? When you continue to do the same thing over and over and over, expecting different results. Well, maybe today is going to be different. No, you've been doing it this way for the past 10 years. Well, maybe this way, this today is going to be different. No, no, no. It doesn't change when you continue the same pattern. You've got to change your perspective. And so God says, hey, when are you going to grow up and be like your father who loved you so much and gave? He gave. See, the only thing that God is asking in return from you after he gave his son is a relationship. It's a relationship. And when you have one, when you have a true relationship, it's not an obligation to give. It's an honor. The fourth thing, last thing, is develop a grateful heart. So we just talked about developing a generous heart. Now we've got to develop a grateful heart. Deuteronomy 15 and 15 says, Remember that you were once slaves in the land of Egypt. All right? So let's take that in our context. Our, con our context. Remember, you hadn't always been saved. You hadn't always been righteous. Remember, once you were beneath the cross. Remember, once that you were hiding and crying out to God for mercy to save your soul. Remember... You were once slaves in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. This is what I'm giving you. This is why I'm giving you this command. Because here's the thing. The reason that God commands us to give generously is because he wants us to give from the realization that everything we have continues to come from him. We have, we have to remind ourselves of this daily. It's transforming the way we think from I have to do this to I get to do this. And when we realize that we get to wake up, that we get to love, that we get to serve, that we get to give, you understand what I'm saying here? That we wake up and we get to do these things, it becomes a privilege and it changes everything around us. See, some of my friends that I graduated with in high school, I graduated in 2003, 17 years ago. <coughs> Yes, yes. Joseph <laughs> <laughs> Walker back then? <laughs> Some of my friends have gone on, but I can't say that they've gone on to be with the Lord. I don't know. They died from drug overdoses. They died from alcohol poisoning. They died from living excruciatingly hard lives that they chose. And so when I look back at those times and, and those friends that I sat in class with, that I laughed with, that I made fun of other people with, come on, I had always been saved. <laughs> when I think about those guys that I spent a large majority of my life with, now they're no longer here. I cannot help but be thankful for the redemptive love that Jesus had in my life. 
And then I chose him in that moment of weakness and brokenness. And I cried out to him before it was too late. And he said, yeah. I already loved you before you loved me. I chose you. You didn't choose me, Shanae. And for somebody this morning, I believe that God is speaking to you right now, right in your seat. That you came to him with a messed up, broken life. You heard all of this about giving. And the whole time you've been sitting there, you've been thinking I'm talking about money, but I'm not. Because the first gift that you give is yourself to God. And that's the only way that God can get stuff to you and through you is when he has a direct connection with you. See, my thing is, I haven't always been a generous person. I haven't, I haven't always. And I'm not speaking about financial generosity either. I love to give financially. I love to give generously. I love to give graciously. But see, there was a point in my life where my heart used to be really, really hard towards people. I used to be vindictive. I would, if somebody did me wrong, I was going to go after you ten times harder. How dare you step into my life and try to mess it up? And I was that way for a long time, and then God did something amazing in my life. He completely turned my heart around. And so the things that I'm guilty of now are being too generous with forgiveness. The things that I'm guilty of now are being too generous with grace. And giving people too many benefits of the doubt. Because you know there was once a point in my life that God said, Hey, I've already forgiven you of that, but you just keep doing it. And you keep doing it, and you keep doing it. And finally I realized, church, I don't want to keep doing it anymore. And I made that moment with God and surrendered everything to Him. And I gave it all away. of the redemptive love. And I know someone that's giving away cars, their retirement savings, their first house, and tons of extravagant things like that. And the truth is, I want to be like that. But if I'm waiting to be able to afford to give extravagantly, I'll be waiting until I die. At some point, it becomes a matter of trusting God more than I trust my income. Of trusting God more than I trust my bank account. More than I trust my stock report. More than I trust anything else in my life. I've got to learn to trust God more. But this man and this woman were sitting at a dinner with some friends. And they were talking. And their friends asked his wife. They said, hey, how did you feel? when he gave away your house. That's a big deal, right? I mean, ladies, your, your husband walks in one day and says, hey, I feel like the Lord wants me to give this house away. Think about it. Or what would you do if you were the one the Lord put it on your heart? How many weeks, months, and even years would you wrestle with that? 
Like sometimes we can't even give an extra $10. Can you imagine giving away a house? And he said, he said, how did you feel when you gave away the house? And she said, you know, I didn't even think anything about it. I didn't even think anything about it. And they said, well, has he always been this way? No. Well, why is he like this now? And I love this phrase. He said, because he has never gotten over. He has never gotten over getting saved. He has never gotten over that. So church, if you're standing with me today, there comes a point where God's going to start stirring us up to do things, to be more gracious, to be more generous, to be more forgiving, to be more loving. God's going to start stirring up some things in our life that he wants us to do to move us forward, to stretch us a little bit further so we can use us a little bit deeper to bring people who are far from him but near to his heart a lot closer than they are now. God wants to use every single one of you to do that. I promise you. I promise you. Because the Bible says that it's not God's will that anyone should perish and go to hell. And God chooses to use people like you and I. Ordinary people to do extraordinary things and to bring people closer to Him. There's going to come a point where He's going to ask you to do something. Because you've been praying saying, God, use me, use me, use me. But unfortunately, church, the reason that so many of us give up or don't give as much as we could is because we don't value the redemption in our life as much as we should. I want to say that again. The reason that most of us don't give as much as we could is because we don't value the redemption in our life like we should why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes this morning? Listen, I know a message like this doesn't come without someone feeling the need to pray through something. So I want to open these altars for a moment that if you're dealing with anything in your life, maybe there's a sickness, maybe there's a struggle of some sort, maybe there's a sin, maybe there's a secret, whatever it is, listen, it's between you and God. But we're here. Our elders are here. Our leaders are here. We want to pray with you. And if you don't feel comfortable coming up, that's fine. You just stay right there. We'll have a corporate prayer in a minute. But listen, there is something to be said, church, when you decide to step out of your comfort zone. And trust God. So listen, I just want to ask right now, you're here and you're saying, I need some prayer. I need some prayer. Don't wait for the music to start. Don't wait for the worship to start. Don't wait for me to say amen. Just come on right now. Just come on right now. These altars are open. If you need prayer for anything, just come on right now. Don't wait. Don't wait because you know that God is speaking to you. Thank you for listening to today's episode. 
of the Verb Church podcast. We would love to help you take your next steps. If you made a decision to follow Christ, would like to be baptized, or are ready to connect with us, head over to myverb.church forward slash next steps and fill out our digital connect card. Our team will follow up and help you guide you on your journey with Christ.